0: Well, at this time, we're still on our excursion from the uh, exposition of Philippians, and we'll eventually get there, but I feel that uh, these are uh, sermons that are in order uh, for the church right now and address specific needs of, of this congregation as we anticipate our, not only our congregational meeting but also classes when we have to report to the classes how we're doing. We're, we're called upon to give an account we're not just here existing by ourselves, our, our lonely, lonesome selves, you know. We're not uh, lone ranger churches. Uh, there's no such thing. Uh, but we're accountable to other brethren of like precious faith and who are the truth, as we'll hear more about now. So <clears throat> turn to Third John chapter 1. There's only one chapter, but I still have to say that because it is a chapter after all. So, Third John, chapter 1. There are three letters of John, as well as the Gospel of John, as well as the book of Revelation, which was written by the same John. Uh, that is, uh, John the Beloved of the Lord, the one that leaned on Jesus' breast. Okay. You know what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Elder White to come up here and read this for us, or read it from there. Are you able to read With a loud voice, okay? uh, Okay, do your best. mm -hmm. I won't stay up here because there's no mic here anyway, so. Um, Please stand, though, and... and Third John. Yes,
1: please. Third John. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, who I love in the truth, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to the strangers which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well because that of his fathers, because that of his namesake, they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers in the truth, to the truth. I wrote unto the church but diop but diop who loveth to have the preeminence among them received us not wherefore if I come I will remember his deeds which he doeth pratting against us with malicious words and not and not content therewith Neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbid them that would and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil have not seen God. Demetrius hath good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee and we shall speak face to face. Peace, be to thee our friends salute thee greet the friends by name
0: thank you let's pray father we are grateful for the reading of your word we ask now lord for your blessing upon its proclamation that that would be faithful as well and lord that you would be glorified in our lives as a church that walks in the truth in jesus name amen now this epistle John 3 or third John I should say is the shortest epistle in the New Testament. It fits on a single papyrus sheet. And it is strictly for an individual such as Philemon is uh, another epistle only of the apostle Paul to an individual and not to a church or even not to a family like second John was to uh, an elder woman and her family. And uh, this particular individual and probably the church where he is from was one that could possibly have been established, started by John himself because he refers to them as my, my children or my little children. Now, John rebukes uh, Diotrephes, who is usurping leadership in, one of, in this church, one of the churches in Asia Minor, that is, which is this congregation that he is addressing in this letter Imagine, Diotrephes is, is rejecting the very authority of an apostle. I mean, if we have apostles, the apostles today, like the twelve and even thirteen, including uh, the apostle Paul, who was one apostle born out of due time, as it says in Scripture, how we would we would rejoice and, and warmly, gladly, and wholeheartedly receive that. But but no, he was rejected. That is, John's authority was rejected by the atrophies. He he refused also to receive brethren and itinerant ministers that were sent to his congregation, which is the congregation of Gaius also. That is the person uh, addressed in this personal letter by John. And he excommunicates those from his church who would differ with him by receiving those who were sent to them. It went that far. He had to have his way. You know, sadly, I've seen this, such as in the Philippines. And and because the Lord in his mercy established at the very, very beginning a, a fairly sound foundation in a group of men, that the one who was like the atrophies didn't make as much trouble as he could have, but quietly exited from that. But, but he definitely this description of a Diotrephes. And there were others that came also, I might add. Uh, and they're around. Okay, So, diatrophy stands as one of the first examples of a domineering ambition in the church, in the New Testament church, which was just a fledgling church at the time. Always an incessant, I beg to differ, when it came to uh, such as consistory meetings and spiritual council meetings and sessions and the like classes in contrast Gaius is a good testimony in that same church a very different man altogether and the purpose of third john is to encourage Gaius in his witness to continue extending in this case hospitality to the brethren who came with the truth imagine they're coming to teach you the truth not error and John is vindicating that as an apostle, an eyewitness of the living Christ who actually was with Jesus, heard him, saw him with his own eyes, embraced him, handled the word of life, as he says in, one of his, in his earlier letter, First John. In particular, the elder urges Gaius' reception of one missionary by the name of Demetrius in verse 12. And Demetrius, of course, comes from John, and, and John says of himself, and you know that our record is true. He even says in first John, and this is the record that uh, God is in His Son reconciling the world unto Himself. He that has the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That record, the gospel. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. Now my proposition for you this morning is this, we serve the cause of the truth, Bottom line, truth and the true gospel by encouraging others to support the truth. Paul speaks of another gospel. He says, don't mind it. Not even if an angel were to preach it. Not even if I were to preach a different gospel than what I originally preached to you. Don't receive it. So in what ways do we encourage the truth in the church? Well, there are five I'm going to bring to your attention. And first is love the truth. Love the truth. John says in 2 John 2, 2 John 1, 2, For he, for the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. That truth. Do you love the truth? As our Lord says, If any man would be my disciple, he will continue my word and he will know the truth and the truth shall make him free. That truth. The church is called the pillar and ground of the truth, meaning that the church serves to uphold the truth. It is truth upholds the church. Truth is the foundation of the church, but in turn the church is called upon to be a custodian of God's word or God's truth. And there was a time, there were times, few, but nevertheless there were times when the church took this task seriously such as in the first century, like what we're seeing before us now. And then later on, in the Protestant Reformation, that's another significant turning point in the history of the church. It doesn't mean there weren't Christians in between uh, those periods or or since. But I'll tell you, those were significant, and they were the work of God. They were revival, times of revival and reformation, and necessary to bring things back to uh, where they should be. That has to happen from time to time. And I believe we're due for that again. We really are. I believe that we're due for that. And so we need to be the same. And mind you, this was no small task because for those who were in these periods, they were willing to risk their lives and everything in order to have it. Such as we learned about Guido de Bries and how he lost his life because he stood faithfully for the truth. Are we willing to do that? Just as Jesus says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. That means be willing to die for me and my gospel and follow me. Also, we are to love others in the truth. Verses 1 through 2 speak of that. And I won't reread that one except to speak to it. uh, And that is that Naturally, we are inclined to those who are the same mind and doctrine. And there's nothing wrong with that. Now, we should be cliquish in the sense that we should not spread the truth and the love of Christ everywhere. We shouldn't have our own cliques in the church, for sure. Uh, We should spread ourselves around. But also, when it comes to others from other places, we should seek them out. We should look for them. For those like Gaius, who was well-beloved by John, well beloved, he was more than just a fellow believer he was, can I say someone who's very very close, very tight knit with him, and he may have been a son in the faith, I'm not sure, it doesn't say but for sure they're just like two peas in the pod you ever had a friend like that? I have a few like that and uh, and especially in this congregation, and it's a, a great blessing I tell you, it's everything And so, love others who are in the truth, too, and encourage them. This is why, by the way, I entered into the RCUS, because I was looking for truth. I was looking for a church that taught sound doctrine. I was looking for a church that preached the whole counsel of God, that was not only reformed in name, but in, in, in deed, and one that was not simply content with having the truth appear, but living it here and out there. To love others in the truth, we would do anything to encourage them and not discourage them. And it's that way, uh, when it comes to, uh, for example, little things that, that we may do or not do, just little things can make a big difference in how we encourage people. And a lack thereof, discourages that, just a simple acknowledgement of, of, uh, of someone uh, reaching out to you, for example, or you're reaching out to someone in need, uh, all of this, and, and, and doing it because you desire for them to grow in the truth. You desire for them to walk in the truth. Uh, he says, that is, uh, John, beloved, I pray, I, I mean, I wish, or I pray, above all things, that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers, you could be prospering spiritually, but in this case, there may have been sickness in the church, such as with Gaius. And so he was saying, I hope that your physical health would would match up to where you are spiritually. It was a commendation to where he was in the Lord. It was a commendation and also prayer, too, for his well-being. A third reason, a third reason uh, or way to encourage the truth in the church is to testify the truth to uh, that is in others to testify what you see in others such as what he saw in Gaius when he says for I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee and of course communicated that back to him that, there's nothing that will encourage you more than for example knowing that your children who leave and go away are continuing in the Lord that's just one very small example another one is when You have brethren that leave and go elsewhere, and you hear back and know that they're doing well. Like in our visit to the Smith family, that was such an encouragement to see that they're striving together. And and, and it looks like the children are starting to take hold too. And that's, to me, everything. I mean, maybe it didn't happen here, but it's going on and it's beginning to happen uh, wherever uh, the Lord leads them and takes them. Also, the truth that is in his congregation In Gaius' congregation, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. When, for example, I hear of churches where I visited, such as uh, recently I was uh, asked to do what they call a uh, a mission fest uh, presentation, which I was able to do up there in Shafter. And I saw the church there that I visited in the past, but it had been a long time. It is so encouraging to see how there's some new faces and then, there are, of course, the old ones and how they're still contending earnestly for the faith once delivered to the saints. It is so encouraging. It makes me just want to uh, stand up and, and, and shout, you know, or to to uh, rejoice. And so uh, it is uh, that I am encouraged when, when you are continuing in, in the faith. And there's no greater joy than that, uh, to know that that God's people. You all especially are doing that. And some have, uh, again, been uh, very notable, notable in the faith. And then also the truth in Demetrius, who is the one sent by John as his courier. There was no postal system. Everything was by snail mail, uh, equivalent of snail mail anyway. Uh, In this case, by people walking on foot or riding by horseback. You know, we we, we have it pretty good nowadays, don't we? (laughs) We have no excuse, or at least excuses are, 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 well, I won't say eliminated, but at least it, it comes down to really our willingness to take advantage of that. And so here is someone sent by John who was with a good report. It says, Demetrius hath a good report of all men, verse 12, and of the truth itself. And, and that's also bring, bring up another point that comes to my mind, and that is that we want to use those that we have confidence in to serve Christ. And then there's the elder and apostle of love himself, and he speaks of that uh, when he says, Yea, and we also bear record, and you know that our record is true. I know it sounds like he's patting himself on the back, but you know what? He's really, he's really not. He's patting the Lord on the back uh, who has worked in him. And so are you happy when you meet or hear of others also who know and love the truth? Is it something that just, whoa, you know, that's, that's great. You know, once in a while when we evangelize, for example, at San Diego State or in Balboa Park, I'll run across a few like that. I ran across a, a seminarian, actually, at Westminster at the airport when we had access to the airport. The Jehovah Witnesses had to have their, their stand in one location, but we were given permission to range. Anywhere on the first floor of the international uh, part of, of uh, Lindbergh Airport. Can you believe that? What the Lord allowed us to do? And in my going out a side door, I ran across someone from Westminster. And I'm sure he was encouraged by the fact that he met, a, you know, alumni. But but more, moreover, that uh, that we were witnessing for the truth. And I hope that he is doing the same himself in his ministry. If the Lord... Um, prevails <clears throat> so uh, is that something that is important to, 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 to be able to tell of, of, uh, of what God is doing in the life of all of God's people everywhere and then walking in the truth actually walking in the truth you've heard that before right um, <clears throat> after learning the truth it's the next step Step, get it? Pun, step. (laughs) Gaius, for I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. even as thou walkest in the truth. You're not just talking the talk, but you're walking the talk, as the saying goes, right? There can't be anything better than that. When you don't see that in somebody, well, you want to pray that that will happen. Like we pray for our young people, right? And rightly so. They have a lot up here. A lot of them have been taught from Yahai. and to see them actually take hold of that and apply that and live that, and even tell the others of that. That someone says that the faith is not only felt; it's felt, as <laughs> a, a Scottish or an Irish uh, axiom. It's not the faith is not only felt; it is felt. <laughs> And I'm not from Ireland, by the way, or Scotland. <laughs> I remember that from the past, from a, 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 our former pastor who was from Belfast. And so are you practicing what you preach? You know, the Bible has, has uh, some scathing uh, objections to those who don't practice what they preach, like in the book of Romans. You're what's called a hypocrite. You're what is described as a terror walk. Uh, amongst wheat, or a wolf, not just a goat, but a wolf, potentially a wolf, amongst the flock. It's not a a pretty picture at all. And so it's important that we walk in the truth. It brings joy to the Christian life. Like when John says, I have no greater joy, no greater joy than that. And the Apostle Paul uh, said something to the same effect when he spoke about how, the Corinthians, who were a very problematic church, they were like the experimental test church for all the churches. You know, if, if, if you can uh, get through, if you can help a church like the church in Corinth get through its issues, its growing pains, that sets a, a standard, a barometer for the rest of the church. And it also encourages hope in others, that are struggling with these things, although maybe not as overtly as a church in Corinth. But Paul says of the church of Corinth, he says, For though you have ten thousand instructors in Christ, they had a lot of instructors that came their way. That was a very popular church. That was in a very popular location, like San Diego is in, in, in the United States. Yet you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. And so he had his children. And let me tell you, he also delighted when his children in the faith, the spiritual children, were found walking in the truth. But then you have Diotrephes. John singles out by name, just as he singled out Gaius and Demetrius, he singles out the troublemaker by name. Diotrephes. Her brother Alfred could barely pronounce the name. You know, it was that. Sometimes people are, are not walking the truth. It says of him that, he loved to have the preeminence, to be first. He didn't receive us, John, and, and company that would be sent by John to bring them the word, to minister to them, to be pulpit supplied to them. He was prating. Prating uh, has the meaning of like bubbling, like a kettle that's uh, got the fire on high, you know, and it's, it's boiling over. It's like that. Prating, ranting, raving. He goes that far against us with malicious words, hurtful words, evil words. He's right out there. He's not holding back just like today when people are coming out of the closet, as it were, and just telling it like it is. We believe this and we don't care what you believe and fooey on you. Is that right? Of course not. Is it happening? Yes, it is. Does it happen in the church? Oh, yes, it does. There was such an elder... <clears throat> a few years ago, prating against the pastor, first of all, the elders of a church of ours, of the RCUS, and then against the pastor himself, with malicious words. And it was like incessant. It was just like it was right out there in the open. And he wanted them out of office. Except for himself. And I believe he wanted to be the pastor. He was trained to be a pastor. And it even went as high as our synod. But no higher, <laughs> if you know what I mean. It stopped there. That was where it was ended. It was evident that he loved to have the preeminence. That was very, very evident. He loved to be numero uno. And he did not love to submit to anybody, not even a synod of a large long-time denomination that was in the truth, walking in the truth. And he definitely was not hospitable. You know how Paul talks about how elders should be given over to hospitality. That's a quality that exudes or should in an elder. And it was not in this elder whatsoever. And that was already a red flag. But as we who... (laughs) are seeking to walk in the truth or are called upon to follow Christ and to be of that meek and humble and uh, servant-like demeanor. We, we take a lot of, you know, <laughs> but you know what? We're suffering for Jesus' sake. And you know what? Jesus is getting buffeted. So just just be patient. Just be patient. Christ is still on the throne. He's still the monarch in His church. Remember, this is a monarchy and a presby- presbytery or a Presbyterian church. Anyway, it shows the difference between a novice and an experienced elder, to say the least. Because the, uh, the one who would be a novice were not to uh, lay hands on and make an elder, lest he be lifted up with pride, it says, fall into the condemnation of the devil. So we're not to be a partaker of that. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't happen. There's a warning. And uh, the first, there's two. Beware who you put in office. It's easier it's easier to put a man in office who is not called then to remove a man who should not be in office. So be careful or beware who you put in office. And secondly, remember that it is more than personal. It's against the whole body of Christ. So we have a responsibility to the whole church. Elders are to study the purity and peace and unity of the church that 's important sadly, in reformed churches, we tend to be so focused upon doctrine that sometimes we we do it at the expense of peace and unity, and we 're not willing to uh, to absorb a, a wrong as it were, just to make our point, just to get in that last word you know and that 's the wrong spirit, and so we need to really work for balance and balance is between truth and love between purity of doctrine and life and peace and unity we're a Presbyterian church as I mentioned earlier because it is the, not only the best form of government I believe it's the biblical one and why because it's what we see in the scriptures we see it evidenced all throughout scripture and especially in a, in a chapter like Acts 15 which I won't read right now And it's one that calls for checks and balances. Our government, our country, our nation was built upon this form of a government. It's called covenantal or Presbyterian government. Where we have plurality of elders in the church I'm speaking about now. And yet parity, meaning they have equal voice and vote. So they they balance each other out. There's no one person that can uh, rule the whole consistory. Or ought to rule the whole consistory. If If he is, then there isn't checks and balances being practiced or it's being overruled for some reason. But that's what that is, you see, and that's why we are of that, Presbyterian. The church is the body of Christ. He is the head, and we all who believe are its members. And the church is glorious because Jesus, its head is glorious and majestic. And it's glorious also because of the harmony Amongst its members. When we take seriously the injunction to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's not easy. But if you're after that, God knows you're after that. And God will bless you. In spite of the fact that that maybe others are against you. Others who you know should not be that way. Should not be striving after that. But nevertheless you do what's right, even if you're outnumbered, because if God before you, who could be against you, and that means to esteem others better than yourselves, esteem the wealth of others above your own, if it means you take a loss just so others might, might gain, then so be it, if it's for the truth, and lay aside all malice and all guile and all uh, evil-speaking hypocrisies, as Paul would put it in the book of Ephesians. R.B. Kuyper said this. He says, Harmony presupposes diversity. And mind you, you know what? Diversity is very important, especially when your community is diverse and if all your people in your church are all Chinese or only Koreans or only Filipinos or only white. And I'm not speaking white. in a derogatory term. Wait. Anglo-Saxon, whatever you want to call it. German, all German, all Irish, uh, all Scott, whatever. Paul says that in Christ there's neither... Jew nor Gentile. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For we are all one in Christ, is what he says. And so, if we... And so, harmony presupposes diversity. When identical voices sing identical notes, one thinks... No one thinks of harmony, do they? When they're all singing the same note. Mm. But when the different voices sing different notes that blend with one another... He says, the product is harmony, like the human body, or like the London Philharmonic Orchestra. (laughs) That's what we want, right? Now, lastly, lastly, getting back to my proposition again, in what ways do we encourage the truth in the church? Lastly, by being fellow helpers to the truth. By being fellow helpers to the truth. He says in verse 7, Because that for his namesake they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles, meaning these that were sent their way. They weren't people that were in it for this, getting money from wherever. There are actually churches that, uh, in which this is happening abroad, never mind in our own uh, United States. And uh, it's, it's so sad to see those that are in it for this, for mullah, you know. Filthy lucre, to use the words of the King James. And yet there, there are. He, he goes on to say in verse 8, We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. You know that when someone is like that, that that's the one you need to keep your eye on. It's like, for example, ministries. Some ministries, you have to pay an arm and a leg to get literature, uh, books. <laughs> and then you have some ministries that give it free of charge. And I'm not going to name names, but there's one ministry I just love to death. And and there's um, some of you that are very familiar with this who have received from this ministry. Well, it's um, Chapel Library. And there's even one party here that came from the church that uh, has assumed that uh, ministry of Chapel Library in uh, his former church and uh, their former church. And I tell you, uh, it's not just because you get free stuff. I mean, you still donate, but I'll tell you what, when you're in it, because the Lord has freely given to you and you're freely giving back, hey, that's, that's where it's at, right? That's right. That's where it's at. The hospitality of which the elder speaks means financial assistance and support to missionaries of the Christian gospel so that they may fulfill their calling to God. And we've done that as a, as a congregation over the past. And you're sending me to also do that and supporting me in different ways, including providing for the pulpit supply here is a very, very big big uh, asset to the work of of the Lord, to the work of the truth. Gaius was offering help to preachers of the gospel, therefore supporting the propagation of the truth. And, you know, the missionary didn't have to go from church to church getting pledges. That wasn't what we're talking about here. But simply out of their hearts seeing a need and filling it, just like the RCUS does that to this present day. Where we can't, as a synod, give money to a cause such as um, a disaster situation that came up like in the Philippines. Churches would rally and just out of their pockets, out of love, send money. And I know because it would channel through our church. I'm glad I'm getting down to the conclusion. (laughs) And uh, so when you walk in the truth, guess what? You walk in love also. And that's why in Ephesians 4, 5, I'm sorry, 4, 1, and 2, <coughs> we read the following in conclusion. Ephesians 4, did I say 4? It should be 5. Yeah. 1 and 2. <coughs> be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. When you walk in truth, you walk in love, even in the love of God, even in the love of Christ, even in the love of the Holy Spirit. And you will do good to others and not evil. And when you do evil, whatever that may be, however small, incremental, and in, 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 in uh, nature or in content your heart is just chastised and it's like you're on your face before God and you're sending all kinds of apologies as it were out to, to clear the matter up that's how important it is not just for your own testimony say, but, but for the glory of the one who saved you who gave him, himself up as a sweet smelling savor to the father for your sins and mine that's walking in the truth and when others do wrong, you don't hold back either. You don't say, oh, you know, I don't want to deal with that. That's just a problem. I just sweep it in no. Because you know that the Bible says, and let this be the last scripture, Proverbs 27, 6. So we have a scripture from the Old Testament as well as the New. So Proverbs. 27 6 <clears throat> Proverbs 27 6 Faithful are the wounds of a friend but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Sometimes you have to tell those that are in error be it some small thing or some glaring diatrophies like sin you have to tell it like it is because how can two walk together except to be agreed but when you tell it it is an act of love it is an act of a friend to another even someone that you may question as to his integrity as a Christian because you're hoping against hope. That's, that's what we are doing. Because if God did that for me, if God did that for you, why can you not do that for others? That should be the mentality. That should be the spirit. That's walking the truth. And that's showing that you're of the Lord. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. And that spirit is the spirit of truth whom the world does not receive, nor can it receive, and it, it is he who is dwelling in you and shall be with you forever. And so, brethren, brethren, know the truth, buy the truth, and sell it not, but also walk in the truth, shall we pray. Father, we are thankful for your word, for the clarity of it, for the forthrightness and the uh, direct hit that it Lord always seems to have upon each and every one of our consciences and most of all our hearts and oh Lord may this indeed challenge us to be a church that walks in love to be believers that walk in truth and in love because Lord as the individual member so goes the church Thank you, Lord, for your work, for this is your work, and it's a work of your sovereign grace in our lives. In Jesus' name.